We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. And please go to verse 18, verse 18. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 20 to start with. <clears throat> And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field <clears throat> and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. <clears throat> and whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Now at the end of the six days of creation, God saw that everything was very good. As we read in the first chapter, verse 31. The last act of creation is the woman. The creation was not complete without her. Man without, <coughs> excuse me, the woman was incomplete. And this does not, does not mean bad, but not finished and therefore incomplete. The last part of this chapter makes it very clear that man is a unique creation and completely different from animals. He is God's crowning creation. Scripture makes that very, very clear and thus refutes those widespread beliefs that man descends from ape-like creatures. Man is always man and ape is always ape. Now it doesn't take a lot of brains to understand that, but our friends, these uh, atheistic scientists, seem to have a hard time with it. Okay, man is always man, and monkey is always monkey. All the animals were created male and female. It's interesting how animals even today know who's a male, who's a female, but people don't. Okay? And even the Lord gave Noah the instructions right before the flood came to take two of each kind, male and female, into the ark and commanded to be fruitful and multiply. The creation of the woman falls on the sixth day before verse 31 of chapter 1. Okay? Very good and is not good are not contradictions. The first is moral perfection. So when the Lord says everything is very good, he's talking about moral perfection and perfect adaptation to the purpose involved. It was very good because it fit.
fit the purpose God created it for. The second one, it's not good, when it says it's not good for man to be alone, refers to the incompleteness of man, okay, of creation. The normal of man is for life with his wife. <clears throat> and she is his equal and the help that, that he needs, agreeing with him spiritually, mentally, and physically. Okay? And you know that when you talk to people, and people talk to you, you can hear what they say, and you understand, at least most of the time, what they're telling you. Now, try to talk that way to a dog. See if the dog will understand you. I tried to do that to our dog at home and talk to her, and she's like, I mean, common sense alone should tell you that. But common sense, common sense is so uncommon these days. Okay? It's a rare commodity. But um, woman agrees with him. Okay, man and woman. So you talk, a man talks to a woman, and they can hear and understand each other. Again, most of the time. Always take into consideration the fact that women think differently than men. Okay? And men think differently than women. They don't see things from the same standpoint, but they can understand each other. Okay? They can feel many times the same thing. Okay? Mentally, emotionally, okay? And, and, and physically, they are comparable. All right? Now, she is not, woman is not inferior, contrary to what some of these people believe, who think the Bible degrades woman. On the contrary, the Bible honors woman. Because the first thing that it teaches us is that she was created by God in a very wonderful way. Okay? But those very ones who criticize the Bible and what God says, they're the ones that say that human beings came from apes. Now, does that exalt humans or does it degrade them? It degrades them. Okay? Here we're, we're taught that she's not inferior, she's not an inferior being, and it teaches us that man is a social being and was not created to be alone. God knew this, and for this reason, he gave him a helper comparable to him. Now we see the subjection of all the creatures to man. The Bible says that we just read that God brought all the animals to Adam and Adam named them gave them a name does that sound to you like a monkey speaking it teaches me that there is a rational human being with mind and intelligence uttering things that are rational and the Bible says that whatever Adam called those animals that was their name okay so we see here, 
we see that all the, the subjection of all the creature of all creatures to man. God brings them to the man for him to name each one. Here we see that the proof of his ability and knowledge. For he was created to have dominion over the earth and to subdue it. We see the tremendous intelligence of the human race's father. Now the events in these verses take place at the end of the sixth day. There is no contradiction between Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. Okay? Genesis chapter 2 gives us more detail about the creation of man and woman. Okay? There was not found a helper, it says, comparable to him, to man. Means that though Adam had dominion over the animals... He could not have communion with them because they are on a different sphere. Now, I know that there's animals that can keep you company, like a dog or a cat, okay? But you cannot have fellowship and communion with an animal because they are different, okay? Man was created in the image and likeness of God. Animals weren't. It is possible that only the animals closest to man were brought. The ones who would be his companions. Uh, by, they were brought by God to Adam to name them. Every beast of the field and every bird of the air and all cattle, it says in verse 20. The fish of the sea, what creeps on the earth and the earth animals, in verse 24, are excluded. It seems that these last ones lived further away from where he was. Another meaning for the last phrase of verse 20 is that it is proof that evolution is wrong since man found nothing in common with them. If we had come from monkeys, we would have had some kind of identification with monkeys, but we don't. The other day we were watching uh, my sister and her husband they were watching a documentary about uh, the Indians who live in the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico. And you should see how primitive they still live. They live out in the jungle, and they have these huge caves, and this and that. And, uh, and then they came these horrible monkeys. I don't know what they're called, but they have these expressions on like that, you know, you look at those things and you say, oh my goodness, they're ugly. They're ugly. You know, I found no identification with them. I don't know what I would do if I met them in person in the jungle, probably run the other way. It says they're very tame, but they make a lot of noise just to identify where they are, you know, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not an animal person, Okay. If we came from, from, from uh, apes or monkeys or whatever you want to call them, we would have some kind of identification with them, yet we don't. We don't, okay? Uh, many times we don't even identify with people from another nationality. Okay? We have a difficult time. Any, anywhere you go in the, in the world, you got those people who you, you, have, you have racism. You have, uh, in, in this country, this group doesn't get along with that group. They don't like each other. And I'm talking in general terms. I'm not saying that every person in the country is prejudiced. 
But uh, if we have difficulty with that, how much more with animals? Okay, there's no identification whatsoever. The only, the only creature that was created in the image of God is man. It is possible that only the animals closest to man were brought here. Okay? And uh, the fish of the sea, what creeps on the earth, and the earth animals are excluded. It seems that these, all these animals were living far, further away from the Garden of Eden. And another meaning is for the last phrase of verse 20, as I said before, is it, that it is proof that evolution is wrong since man found nothing in common with them. If he had come from monkeys, like I said, he would have had uh, tendencies and characteristics that would make him identify with that kind or those kinds of, of animals. Now, the dignity and the excellence of human nature and this world's vanity all added up equals to zero, okay? And it can never satisfy man. Do you realize, for example, that money does not satisfy? How do we know that? Uh, because the more you have, the more you want. And the Bible says the eye is never satisfied. Yesterday, in talking with Ivan, he said something to me that I didn't know. There is a very famous uh, fast food chain that are not about food. They are about real estate. And many years ago, the person who began that wanted to plant one of those stores in every neighborhood in America and succeeded. And some of you probably have eaten at those food chains stores. <coughs> Fast food. Now, if you want to know which one it is, I'll tell you after the service. Okay? That's why I haven't eaten in there. Well, I didn't know that detail, but I haven't eaten in that store at least for the last 50 years. Okay? Why is it that man does that? It's called greed. Greed. to make money and they made not only millions gazillions they made okay most Americans are on a sad diet you know what sad stands for S-A-D it stands for standard American diet and that's why you got so many people with cancer and heart disease and overweight. The doctor told my sister last month, says, you know, most of the diseases that people have that we're dealing with in this society have to do with overweight. Thanks to the Lord, I have already started watching it and by God's grace, I'm losing weight. I have lost 20 pounds since I came back from Wisconsin in November. And that's added to the ones I lost before that. 
Back in 1992, I have a picture, someday I'll bring it. 1992, when we were at the Lutheran Church, I'm standing at the door, there's a picture of me, and I'm standing at the door. I was 303 pounds. Thank the Lord. I've come down considerably since then. After all, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we need to take care of it. You take care of your body, your body will take care of you. Amen? Okay. Now, let's go to verse 21. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, What are the first words of Adam? Are they the grunts of a monkey? Huh? Look at the first words of Adam. The words of an intelligent human being. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall ha leave his father and mother and join to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not the New Testament gives us confirmation of this act of creation. The Apostle Paul, who, let me tell you, as a Jew, he knew the Old Testament very, very well. Okay? He tells us in the book of 1 Timothy that... For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Isn't that what Genesis tells us? Adam was created first. Adam in Hebrew means man. Okay? And then God created Eve. And we're going to see how God created Eve. That's in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. And he also tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians... At the chapter 11, he says, For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but a woman for the man. Now, every man, we know, proceeds from the woman. We all have mothers, right? So every man, whether man or woman, talking about man, okay? We all proceed from our mother, from a woman, okay? But the first woman proceeds from the man. Man does not proceed from the woman. God did not create Eve, and then from Eve he created Adam. No, he first created Adam, and out of Adam he created Eve. That's what it means. 
The first institution established in the book in the Bible is marriage. And which institution is being attacked today the most? Marriage. Which is the second institution that is being attacked? The church. Which other institution is being attacked? Israel. And which other institutions are being attacked? Country, order, law, everything that was established by God. Now the home is the basis of all the other institutions. It's the basis of the church, of schools, of government, of tribe, of anything else. My mom, may she rest in peace, as I know that she is, used to tell us all the time, the first school is the home and you mothers remember that and you fathers the first school is the home not public schools not government but the home and that's why people are in such disarray today and so many problems because homes have neglected their responsibility The fact that the woman was created from the man and not from the earth gives us to understand the intimacy that exists between both man and woman. Adam's life would be her life. One flesh only, total and permanent union. The account of the creation of Eve not only refutes the evolution theory, but makes it impossible to interpret it on an evolutionary context. This drives all these evolutionists crazy because they cannot reconcile that. Okay. God caused a very deep sleep, it says, to fall on Adam and took one of his ribs and built the woman. Therefore, she is not of an inferior substance to the man, but of the same substance. Did you see how the Bible exalts woman? And how evolution degrades woman and man too? What is going on in our country these days, or in our West, Western type of uh, you call it civilization, I should say the Western uncivilization. It's this horrible satanic attack on man. Ladies, you'll be ladies, and you will be dignified by God. Don't go around acting like Maria Macho, emasculating your husband. And degrading him as if women were better than men. men. Women are not better than men any more than men are not better than women. Each one of us needs to keep our place that God has given us. And if we function according to the way the Lord has, you know, the Lord created us, you know what? We're going to be so happy. We're going to be fulfilled. The tragedy today is that women try to be men, and men try to be women. And I'm not talking about homosexuality or lesbianism only. I'm talking about 
generally speaking, because some men are men, truly. Physically, they're men, and they act like men. But in their spirit, I see sometimes women treating their husbands like a piece of dirt. And they don't say anything. Or I see husbands treating their wives badly. And nobody says anything about it. If we are believers, we're Christians, we need to respect each other. And respect begins with you. If you have no self-respect, you're not going to respect your neighbor. If you don't respect your own family, you're not going to respect your neighbors or anybody else out there. And if you want to be respected, you respect. Amen? Because respect starts with you. In Spanish, it's called amor propio, self-love. And I don't mean that in a selfish way. I mean that you need to respect yourself. And you teach your children the same thing. And this is how people today go off in all these kinds of things. And uh, God caused a sleep to fall on Adam, a deep sleep. And he built a woman. She's not of an inferior substance to the man, but of the same. Now, notice that he formed her, it says, from the rib, the closest place to his heart. He did not create her from his foot so that she would not be less than he. And he did not create her from his head so that she would not be more than he. The Hebrew word tselah does not mean necessarily rib. It means side. Okay, And this event is, in, is mentioned in a general way in chapter 1, verse 27. And what we see here is a more detailed account of the events of the sixth day. Now, some people mock and they say, oh, see, well, that, that means that all men have one rib less than the woman. Right? wrong. If Adam had one less rib, it doesn't mean that his children were born with a one less rib. I had a friend in Argentina. His mother was born with only one hand. It was a birth defect. And she gave birth to him. And he was perfect. If you are blind and your wife is blind, or you are blind, your husband is blind, does that mean that your son is going to be blind? No. See how stupid people are sometimes? They don't use their head. If you have, if you are, if you have one less arm, you were born, let's say, with a, with a birth defect, or your, your hand is shorter, like this. We used to have somebody in church who used to come, her hand was shorter than the other one. And she gave birth to children, and all the children were fine. The fact that Adam might, might have had one less rib because God took it out to build woman doesn't mean that his progeny had one less rib. Because man and woman, when they get married and they produce children, they have both boys and girls, don't they? I mean, you do. Does that mean that the girl would be born with all the ribs and the boy would be born with one less rib? My goodness, use your head. Some of these people don't use their head. 
they are foolish people become when they mock the word of God. They think they are mocking God, but they are mocking themselves. Okay? Now, humility, modesty, silence, subjection, and reverence to her husband are and must be the characteristics of a woman. A woman adorns her life by being humble, modest, quiet, submissive, and reverent to her husband. The worst thing you ladies can do to your husbands is to kill their masculinity. You kill their man, manhood, and there's nothing left for them. I've seen cases of a woman treating the man like, a, get out of here. And then one day, he gets tired of it and goes out and commits adultery. And she screams blue murder. Ah, he betrayed me. Well, who prepared the ground? You did. Because if a man doesn't feel welcome in his own home, he's going to go out there and seek for it. I'm not, I'm not condoning it. Okay? I'm not saying that a man, a man that does that is okay. No, it's not. He's not. He's wrong. But she is no innocent person either. And it's the same the other way too. A man that doesn't love his wife and doesn't treat her with respect, you know, you open the door to the car, you know, she goes in, she goes in, and then you close the door, then you go around and you, you don't make your wife push the car if it stalls. Put her behind the wheel and you push the car. You treat her with respect. It's a two-way street, Right? You see, I'm not partial. As a man, I am not partial to men. I tell you what it's true. Because the truth is always in the middle. Amen? Always remember that. When you act properly, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. You act properly, and they will treat you properly. Respect. So here we see that the characteristics of a woman are those that I just mentioned. And today, what? A lot of women want to prove, no, that's not it. Don't let them step on you. Nobody's stepping all over you if you act properly. You'll have the honor from God. And what he says is what counts. Doesn't matter what people say. Man is the greatest and perfect creature that God created, and that includes woman, of course, and was created last for that reason. The woman, then, having been created after Adam, puts honor on her gender and glory to the man. If man is the head, the woman is the crown. Would you ladies object to that? 
Hello? Would you object to that? Being the crown? Somebody said, yeah, man is the head, but woman is the neck. Oh, yeah. You live like that, you'll be the saddest, sorriest woman on earth. Don't be one of those women that try to solve all the problems that he should be solving. I'll take care of it. Give me that, like Jezebel. Remember Jezebel and Ahab? Ahab was pouting. <gasps> oh, Naboth would not sell me his vine. <gasps> and Jezebel said, what's wrong with you, man? Come on, give me that. I'll take care of it. And she took care of it. Oh, she took care of it all right. Huh? What, a, what a horrible end. Don't be a Jezebel, of course. Okay? The Apostle Paul says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. Now, do you find those words degrading? I don't. I find them very, very beautiful. Women, okay, are the glory of man. Woman is the glory of man. Okay? So see, here we see that what we see here, like I said, is a more detailed account of the sixth day. Man is the greatest and per most perfect. If man is the head, then she is the crown. It seems that the deep sleep fell, uh, that Adam fell into, symbolizes death. It is as though he had died to obtain a wife who could share his life. It seems to be the first declaration of the eternal gospel speaking of one who was slain before the foundation of the world. Adam is a picture of Christ here who died to get a wife, a bride that would be his companion for the rest of his life. Well, Jesus died on the cross to obtain a bride and that bride is the church to share his companionship for the rest of eternity. Adam is the first type of Christ, and Christ also is called the second Adam. This reminds us of him who died on Calvary for us and entered into the deep sleep of death, and from his side flowed blood and water, according to John 19, 34 through 36. Life is in the blood. If you want to know the key verse of the book of Leviticus, that's it, 1711. The life is in the blood. For the blood, blood is the life of man or any creature. From Adam's life, flesh, bone, and blood, God made Eve his wife. We are the bride of Christ. As the Apostle Paul tells us again in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, Now I, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things. And keep the traditions just as I have delivered them to you. But I want you to know, it says, that the head of every man is, the, is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. And so he tells us here that 
I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong portion of Scripture. It says here, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. 2 Corinthians 11.2 And have received life by his blood. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ himself in talking to his disciples in the Gospel of John. He tells us these words. He says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And of course we know that he's talking about his body and his blood. Okay? In a spiritual sense. We now are members of his body, his flesh and his bones. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.30, talking about marriage, about man and woman. God is still in the process of forming a bride for Christ. And when this work ends, God will bring the bride to the Lord Jesus Christ and he will go meet her. She will be with him forever and ever. That's what, those are the words of the Lord Jesus in John chapter 14. If you remember, this is the Last Supper, Passover, the Seder. And he says, in my father's house are many mansions, so many dwellings. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. He desires us to be with him in eternity, throughout eternity. And that's why also the Apostle Paul tells us the famous verse or portion of scripture in 1 Thessalonians that is talking about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the rapture. He says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Okay? It's talking about the rapture. Any day now, the trumpet will sound. Any day. Any day. We don't know. It might be sooner than we think. Okay? Live your, your life as though you were going to be here the rest of eternity, but then live each day as though we're the last one. Because the Lord may come any, any minute. And if the apostles back 2,000 years ago thought and they knew that we were, they were living in the last days, we are not living in the last days. We are living in the last seconds. Okay? Of course, this world is asleep, but we are not because we know his word. And in the book of Revelation, in chapter 19, we are told, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. That's the church. 
And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. Just as sure as you and I are here today, this is happening soon. This is happening soon. Okay? Now, with verse 23 of Genesis 2, we enter a new phase. Here we have the record of the first words uttered by man. This is now describes the anticipation with which man awaited the creation of a being like this one. We see here that there is a great physical congruence between the two, and Adam expresses it like this. This is now flesh of my flesh, bones of my bones. Besides, there's a play of words to describe even better the intimacy between the two. He calls himself Ish in Hebrew, man, Ish, which means ex exercise power. And he calls her Isha, woman, which means to be soft. Genesis was written in Hebrew, and the writer is given a description of this. The first language used by man has been lost. We don't know what language Adam spoke. Okay? The only difference that exists between both is their sex, their gender nothing else nothing else everything else like their nature is the same the woman was made created or as the Hebrew word says edified built for man and united to him by her father God in verse 24 we see the declaration of marriage its institution okay for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Now, those are not the words of Adam. Those are the words of the writer of Hebrews, making a commentary, as it were, about the union. Now, let's see what the Lord Jesus Christ tells us in Matthew chapter 19. If you want to open there one second. Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 and 5. This is the Lord answering the Pharisees to try to find excuses and justify everything. Can a man divorce his wife for any reason? That's what they wanted. But they were barking up the wrong tree. Look what he says. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He states here that God himself spoke and said what is written in this verse. If he himself spoke this through his writer Moses or through Adam, we don't know. The important thing is that he said it. Now, the great uh, theologian of the... Uh, 
England back in the 17th century. His name was Matthew Henry. He said, declares five things. He says, we see now, we see how great is the virtue of one divine ordinance. It is stronger than nature itself. Man must leave his beloved beings and unite with his wife. We see how necessary it is that children obtain their parents' consent to marry. You hear, young people? You ob obtain your parents' consent to marry. You like somebody, a boy or a girl, you know, whether you are a boy or a girl, you like, and oh, I want to marry them. And your parents said, no. Then you know what the answer is? No. If you force the issue, you're going to be unhappy the rest of your life. And I have seen plenty of cases like that. Okay? So children must obtain their parents' consent to marry. We see also how necessary it is to be prudent and pray about the choice of this relationship. We see how firm the marriage bond is, and it must not be weakened or divided having many wives, like he uses Malachi 2.15 as the example, and not broken by divorce. And lastly, we see that dear affection there must be between man and woman just as to our own bodies. So as he tells us in Ephesians 5.28 that as man loves his own body, he should love his wife. Okay? Besides, we have to deduce from this that children must be subject to their own parents until they form their own homes. Marriage integrity and permanence is God's will but man is very perverse. That's why we are told by Solomon, who knew better, okay, in the book of Ecclesiastes, he tells us something that is so true. He says, Truly, this only I have found, that God made man upright, but they have sold out many schemes. God made man upright, but man, after he fell, comes out with all kinds of schemes to disobey God. Every kind of perversion and uncleanness have penetrated every society since the fall of man. But let us see what the Lord Jesus says about this again in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, Moses, because they asked him, how come then Moses gave us a permission to divorce? And he says, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So what does that mean? means that God gave in? No. It means that God restricted divorce. Because back then, they would divorce their wives any way they wanted. You know what they needed to do? To divorce their wife. Alberto needed to look at you in the face and say to you three times, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. And that was it. So the Lord, through Moses, said to them, no, 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 you're not going to do that. You're going to divorce your wife? Go find a scribe 
and have him write down. And back then, you must realize everybody didn't have ball, you know, pen and paper. By the time you go to find the scribe who knows where, maybe by that time, and you came back with him to write a bill of divorcement, maybe by that time you cooled off. Because they would divorce their wives for burning their food, because they did not cook sancocho, because anything at all, because they got up with a mal bad humor that morning, for any reason. But the Lord says, no, no. Through Moses, he says, you're not going to do that. You give her a writing of divorcement so that she can go out free and remarry and prove through that thing that you gave her that she was not unfaithful to you. She's clean. You got the problem. See, God needed to protect women. And that's why the Lord in the New Testament adds the clause and says, unless for the cause of adultery, you don't have any right to divorce your wife. Right? Because the person who is unfaithful to his or her partner, the divorce doesn't happen when the court gives you the writ. The breakage of the marriage happens the moment you commit the act of adultery. Okay? So here we see how the Lord protects marriage. And uh, due to the hardness of man's heart, God allowed divorce. The believer who wants to please his God and Lord must repudiate divorce. This form of uh, uh, basic institution, monogamy, was and is the most common form for man to live for the promulgation of the human race and the entertainment of the little ones contradicting evolution since animals do not possess such things. Now the blessings and joys of this union between man and woman are a figure of the relationship between Christ and his church. And we, we read that in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. Okay? It is also in an illustration of the, or, or an illustration of the celestial family. Here we see the, cons, uh, the consummation of the first marriage and the establishment of the first home. Man and woman were complete, complementary to each other, and innocent. For sin had not yet entered the world. For this reason, they were not ashamed to be naked. And especially since God had commanded them to be fruitful and multiply. Man was in perfect harmony with God. He had no reason to be ashamed. This would come later, unhappily enough. They had no sin in their consciences. And thus they had no shame in their faces at not having raiment on their bodies. How simple God makes things. Who's the one who complicates everything? Yeah, we do, because we're stupid. Because the one who does it is the devil. So he puts all these thoughts in your minds. And you know why the devil many times and puts a thought in your mind? A certain temptation to do something wrong, because that's what you want to do. And he knows it. So... What's the magic word to tell the devil? No. 
before it starts. Such a short word and so difficult to use. You know why? I'm going to tell it to you, good Dominican. Porque no gusta un can. Then we act like saints. I don't know why I got tempted that way. Learn to say no. Say yes to the Lord, no to the devil. And you'll, you'll be the better for it, believe me. Amen? Have you learned something this morning? Yes? Have you? Good. We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the Word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt hyphen sermons.